the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Right now, there's a situation brewing in the men's basic department. Men are being held hostage by overpriced brands that simply aren't mission-tested. That's why we're excited to tell you about Undertack, the only brand that's literally been battle-tested by special forces. These have to be the greatest boxers ever made because they cover all the bases. High-quality material that's antibacterial, anti-pilling, and moisture-wicking so you stay fresh and dry all day. Uh, I recently did a 30-mile run in preparation for an ultramarathon in a couple weeks wearing the Recon boxers, and they were absolutely incredible. I loved them. They have a quick-release fly and a secret pocket in the extra-wide waistband for cash or tactical necessities. Undertack is durable, ultralight, fade-resistant, and shrink-resistant. And here's the best part, they're almost 30% less than the competition. Go to getundertack.com. That's getundertack.com right now. Save 20% off your order with the offer code SITREP20. All one word, SITREP20. Satisfaction guaranteed or your money back. That is a great American company that's unapologetically pro-America, pro-Second Amendment, and pro-military. That's getundertack.com. GetUndertack.com, offer code SITREP20. Welcome to the Situation Report today. Again, glad to have you joining me. This is the show where we do our very best to give you the information and perspectives you need to navigate an ever-changing culture. My name is Jeremy Stolinker, and I am glad to be with you today. Today's episode will be just a little bit different than typical. Now, typically, we have, over the course of a week, a couple of interviews with some great guests, people who are experts in their field, people who can shine light on specific issues that we may be dealing with, and again, help us to understand how to navigate those. Very grateful for the opportunity to do that. And then we'll have another episode each week where we address, and it may just be me, me and uh, Chad Robichaud, someone else talking about something that's important to us, an issue that we are uh, working through, and we share those with you. Today is a little bit different. We have this weekend a very, very special holiday, I put that in air quotes, holiday coming up. This is Easter weekend as we get into uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. This is the time where we collectively as a country and as a culture and really around the world celebrate an event that changed everything. Now, I realize you may be listening and are not someone who agrees with my last statement. Maybe you think it's simply a religious holiday that's okay. Uh, You don't have to listen if you don't want to, although I would encourage you to. Maybe you can even find some hope and some help as we talk about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is a big weekend around the world. 
religions, depending on what religion you ascribe to, celebrate this time differently. But if you are a Christian religion, meaning you believe in Jesus Christ as the Savior, and again, uh, how you celebrate that and how you even view that may be different from one religion to another, uh, you may celebrate differently. But you are celebrating nonetheless. This is the largest religious holiday on the calendar in the world. As a Christian, as someone who ascribes to what I would describe as biblical Christianity, I'm so grateful that we have on the calendar an opportunity to celebrate what has happened. Now, we don't know that it was exactly this weekend. In fact, there's a very good chance it was not this weekend. But we have set aside this weekend every year. It kind of slides around on the calendar. But we set aside this weekend every year to remember. And I'm grateful that we have. When we talk about the resurrection of Jesus Christ, there are a few things that we are actually discussing. The first thing is what many churches, many um, uh, religious celebrations will start with, and that's Good Friday. Now, again, we could have a discussion. It's amazing how many things we could argue about. When you get into the world of Christianity and the Bible, there's a lot of things to argue about. Um, politics, we talk about how much there is to argue about. Uh, there's so much to argue about when you come to the Bible. And uh, I think there are some things that are very clear, some things that we're not super clear on. People will argue about whether or not Jesus Christ was crucified on Friday or Thursday. Uh, some would even say Wednesday. And uh, I will reserve my opinion on that because it's not relevant to today's conversation. There's some great sources you can go to. Uh, I don't believe it was on Friday. In fact, I ascribe more to probably the Wednesday. However, however, Good Friday, as it is, is the day we celebrate or remember what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. We celebrate that hopeless mankind, a mankind, a humanity that is separated from God because of our sin, has, for the first time, hope. We have hope because although there's a penalty for our own sin, Jesus Christ pays the price for that sin on our behalf. The human story is a story that begins at creation. We could go all the way back to Genesis chapter 1, and what we find is that God created. Uh, Now it's very interesting, in John chapter 1, we know that Jesus God the Son was with God the Father at creation. In fact, John chapter 1 says not only was He there, but He created. We see the unity of Father and Son. But back at creation, in Genesis chapter 1, God created the heavens and the earth, and He created everything that inhabits the heavens and the earth, and He created mankind perfect and sinless in His own image. From man, that is the male person. I know we're struggling with that right now too. But the male person, that is Adam. He created out of Adam, Eve, and help meet or necessary for him. The first man and the first woman brought together in perfect union. It's a wonderful time. It's a time where there is no sin, where there is no heartache, where there is no difficulty and oppression where mankind, that is Adam and Eve, had a perfect relationship with God the Father. In fact, uh, we're told that they met with God as He walked on the earth in the cool of the evening. This happened every day. But then something else happened. An event that changed the course of history. Adam and Eve, the humans, used or exercised their free will against a holy God. 
God told them what to do and what not to do, and all they had to do was stay within those guidelines, and yet they exercised their will. There was an outside influence that caused them to look beyond the revealed will of God, and they sinned. They rebelled against Him. To sin is to fall short of the mark. That's what sin means. It means falling short of a mark, and that mark was the perfection of Almighty God. God is holy. He is perfect. He is without sin, and that's how He created Adam and Eve. But when they sinned, that sin created a separation. God, we find having a conversation with Adam and Eve and the serpents in Genesis chapter 3. And at that time, He explains what was going to happen next. Adam and Eve would be removed from the garden. They would have to struggle through life. Some things were going to happen that they had never considered before. But a prophecy in the middle of all of that is given by God Himself in chapter 3 and verse 15. The prophecy of the coming Messiah, this is what is titled a Proto-Evangelum. It talks about the coming Messiah. It's a wonderful prophecy in that it gives hope in a most hopeless situation. Imagine Adam and Eve, who had a relationship with God, now being told that that relationship has changed. All hope being taken away. And yet God gives them the hope they need. One day, a Redeemer will come. One day, a Savior will come. One day, that Christ will come to take away the sin that you, Adam and Eve, have brought upon mankind. Because certainly when Adam and Eve sinned, they, standing and representing the rest of humanity, the rest of mankind, you and me, began to pass that sin nature down from one generation to the next. It's been said that we are not sinners because we sin, but rather that we sin because we are sinners. It's who we are. And with that sin comes the same penalty that Adam and Eve had to deal with, separation from God. That separation from God, it means so many things. It means that we will never be able to, beyond this life, spend eternity with Him as was intended. It means that we will not only be separated from Him physically, but that we will have to spend an eternity under the penalty of our own sin. We can't pay for our sin. We can only experience the penalty of our sin. And we, in that separation from God, will alone bear that penalty. And yet there is hope. The same hope that Adam and Eve were given is the hope that we hang on to, the hope of, for them, a coming Messiah, but for us, a risen Messiah. You see, when we look at Good Friday and all that we talk about on Good Friday, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, what we have explained for us in John 3, verse 16, you know this verse. You've at least seen a sign at a football game. You know the verse. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. We know that we are destined or predestined, predetermined for perishing. That is to be separated from God. That's the penalty of sin. But God loved us enough that He did what only He could do. He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to leave heaven to come to earth. Enrobed in human flesh, he lived a perfect and sinless life because he's God. Sometimes we struggle with what all of that looks like and what all of that means. How could God come 
to earth? How could God take on human flesh? We know that He did. And by faith we accept it. And He came. And He lived. And He taught. But He came for a purpose. Jesus was asked one time why He came, why He was here. And He replied simply, The Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. Certainly, Jesus taught while He was on earth, and He provided an example while He was on earth. He did a lot of things while He was here, but He came for a singular purpose. To make His way to the cross. The cross was a place reserved for the worst of the worst in society. The cross was a place where the Roman government would hang for all to see those who had committed heinous crimes. It was a process of death, but it was more a process of torture, of exhibition, of warning to others who might commit crimes. And yet Jesus, who is perfect and sinless, found Himself there. We know that He did not commit a crime, but that because of who He is and what He said He was there to do, the religious elite hated Him. Don't we see that in our society today? The truth seems to have very little place today. And truth had very little place in Jesus' day. Jesus is who He says He is. He is who He said to the religious leaders that He was. He did the things that He said He came to do. And for that, they crucified Him. They didn't want to lose their power. They wanted to silence His voice. And so, uh, they made sure (laughs) that the right pieces were in place to have an unfair trial that would eventually lead to an unfair conviction and an unfair crucifixion, a murder of the Son of God. And as out of control as all of that seems, Jesus knew that that's why He came. You see, it was as He hung on the cross, the Bible tells us He took upon Himself the sins of the world. He took your sin and my sin, the sins that had come before His crucifixion and the sins that would come after His crucifixion. He took all of those upon Himself. And as He went to the grave, He paid for those sins. It's an amazing thing. We ask how we can know that God loves us. One of the ways that we can know God loves us is that Jesus did that for us. Romans chapter 5 and verse 8 says that God commended, He he demonstrated His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. This is a wonderful picture. How do you know God loves you? People say, how can you possibly understand God loves me? How can you possibly know that God is love? How can you possibly say that God would care about me? How? (laughs) Because of Good Friday. Because of the crucifixion. Because even when those who needed the resurrection and the payment for sin and the death on the cross, even when those who needed those things the most were standing yelling, crucify Him to their Savior, He died in their place. And He died in our place. We know God loves us because God did what only God could do. He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, perfect and sinless, to die in our place on the cross. 
That's what we remember on Good Friday. We remember that Jesus not only was willing, but did what He said He would do. And what a truth. We look to the cross and we understand that it is because of the cross that we can have hope. It's because of the cross that we can have the forgiveness of sins. It's because of the cross that we can have newness of life and a relationship with God. But it didn't end there. Our Easter celebration, our resurrection celebration begins there. Because it's in light of what happened on the cross that we can understand what happened three days later. Some notable figures in history have spoken on the resurrection. Billy Graham said the entire plan for the future has its key in the resurrection. When Jesus died, He died. We know and we understand from Scripture that He gave up His life. It wasn't taken from Him. He said it is finished. What He had gone there to do was finished. And when it was, He gave up the ghost. He gave up His life. He was placed in a tomb as dead. And if He's just a man, then He did what just a man could do. You and I, anyone else, could die But as Billy Graham said, the entire plan for the future has its key in the resurrection. The death took our sin to the grave, but it was the resurrection that provides hope and a future. Harry Ironside said, the gospel is the gospel of the risen Christ. There would be no gospel for sinners if Christ had not been raised. We remember what Jesus Christ did on the cross, but we understand that the gospel is the gospel of the resurrection. If Jesus is not raised from the dead, then He simply died and is not and was not who He said He was. Watchman Nee said, Our old history ends with the cross. Our new history begins with the resurrection. What a statement. Our old history ends with the cross. And isn't that it? Jesus took our old history. Jesus took who we were in our sin and our brokenness and our hopelessness, and with Him that was nailed to the cross, and with Him that went to the grave. Our past is there. But the hope for the future, who we are made alive and made new, is found in the resurrection. Jesus spoke of this in John chapter 11 and verse 25. Jesus said unto her as He was speaking, He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Then he asked the question, Believest thou this? Jesus said of himself, I am the resurrection and the life. What a statement. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. What is he saying? He's saying we're all dead, but if you believe in me, there is life. Mark chapter 16 and verse 6. (laughs) The disciples, they went to find Jesus in the tomb. And what they found was an empty tomb. It's a crazy picture. It's a crazy image. The story is amazing. They were so afraid during the crucifixion process that they ran and hid. The disciples are so much like you and me. They heard what Jesus said and they were motivated by that. They believed it. They came over a period of time to believe that Jesus 
the one that they were following and spending time with, that he was the promised Messiah, that he was the Christ, that he was the one that the Old Testament prophesied about. They saw him do miracles. They heard his words. They learned from his teaching. They had a front row seat to all that happened for almost four years of his life, leading up to the time where he was arrested, convicted wrongly, and crucified. And Jesus was someone, while he was on earth, during his ministry that stirred up trouble everywhere that he went. The disciples apparently did not mind that when they were with Jesus, but when Jesus was arrested, they must have looked at each other and thought, if Jesus could be arrested, what could happen to us? Because if it could happen to him, it could happen to anyone. They stood on the outskirts of the trial as it was taking place, that sham trial, that fake trial. They heard the conviction rendered. They saw him carrying his cross to the top of that hill where he would be hung in crucifixion. And they must have wondered to themselves, if that can happen to him, it can happen to any of us. And although they had seen the miracles and heard the words, they didn't know where to go from here. And so they ran away all but one. John was still there, but everyone else went and hid. These disciples on the morning of the third day, they went and tried to find Jesus in the tomb. They wanted to make sure he was still there. They wanted to dress his body and take care of him. Maybe they had come to a place of a crisis in their faith, so to speak. They weren't sure now that he was the one they thought he was, but they still loved him and cared about him. In Mark chapter 16 and verse 6, they got there and there were some angels that said, Be not afraid. You see, Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified, he is risen. He is not here. Behold the place where they laid him. Those angels said, why are you here? He said he was going to rise again, and that's exactly what happened. Look, you can look into the tomb and see that he's not there. They went back to where they were hiding. (laughs) A room where the disciples were gathered, not just the twelve, but many other disciples, those who were close, who had followed Jesus. They were gathered and waiting to see what would happen next. And what happened next was that Jesus came in bodily form and presented Himself to them. This was such a powerful moment for the disciples that, again, all but one, John, (laughs) kind of that outlier, All but one experienced martyrdom. They were killed as they preached Jesus Christ, crucified, and risen again. They believed that He was the Christ. They believed that He was the Messiah, but then He was killed and they weren't sure. When they saw Him resurrected, that was so true for them and so real for them and so motivated them that they traveled the world communicating the gospel, talking about Jesus, who He is, and what He had done. And even though it would cost them their lives, they continued moving forward. That's how real it was. Peter, one of those apostles, in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3, he said this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Peter said there is hope. He was speaking to others, but I believe he was speaking from lived experience. When he looked into that empty tomb and when he 
had the conversation with the angels. And when Jesus presented himself after the resurrection, a hopeless Peter, one who denied Jesus, finally had hope. He writes about that later on in his life when he calls it a lively hope. Why? Because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Isn't that an amazing truth? He says there's hope. The Apostle Paul, the last of the apostles, the last to see Jesus risen. You know the story of Paul. He was one who hated Christians, who persecuted Christians, who did his best to tear Christian families apart and drag Christians off to prison. He was there at the martyrdom of the first Christian martyr, Stephen. And he traveled trying to do this again and again and again, trying to stamp out this new religion, this Christianity. And as he was traveling, Jesus Christ came to him. He asked him a question, Paul, why do you work so hard to kick against the pricks? This is uh, an amazing statement. Uh, It's as if there was an ox goad or a stick behind him pushing him, and Paul was kicking back. It was the conviction of what he had seen. Perhaps as he saw these Christians who were being martyred, who were being dragged off to prison, hanging on to their faith, never wavering in what they believed. There was conviction in his own heart. Maybe he didn't believe what he said he did as strongly as they did. There's conviction. He heard the truth. He learned the stories. And Paul gave his life to Jesus Christ. He came to a place where he realized that Jesus is the Messiah. That the one he had been persecuting is the one who came to save mankind. To provide hope and life, and forgiveness of sins, and a relationship with God, and an eternal home in heaven. He came to understand that and became the most prolific missionary and pastor perhaps in history, traveling the known world at that time, establishing churches, writing much of the New Testament, what we understand of the gospel, much penned by the Apostle Paul. In 1 Corinthians 15, he talks about the importance of the resurrection. In fact, he says, if people cannot be raised from the dead, uh, then our worship, our belief in Jesus is vain. It's worthless. It's hopeless. Because if there is no resurrection, then our Savior did not resurrect from the dead. And if he did not resurrect, then we have nothing to hang on to. 1 Corinthians 15, at the end of that discourse, verse 55, we find these words. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. He comes to the end of a discussion about the resurrection and the importance of resurrection, and he asks this rhetorical question, O death, where is your sting? O grave, where is your victory? Hmm. You see, so many view death as the final event. We live... And then we die and there is nothing else. 
Death gains the ultimate victory. That is the sting. That is the victory. He explains that the sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law. That sin brings us to a place where the grave is all we have to look forward to. But thanks be to God, he says in verse 57, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, what we look to on Good Friday is the death of Jesus Christ, His body then being placed in a tomb. What we celebrate on Easter Sunday, on Resurrection Sunday though, is the resurrection. And it is because of the resurrection that we have victory. He took our sin to the grave with Him, but when He rose again of His own power, because He's God, He demonstrated first that He is God, that He is who He said He was. But then He defeated Sin, and he defeated death, and he defeated the grave. That's something we cannot do. We can go to the grave with our sin and live under the penalty for all of eternity. But Jesus took that sin to the grave and broke the penalty, paid the price when he rose again. And because of that, we have victory. It's been said that the door of history hangs on the hinge of the resurrection. Why is that? Because in all of human history, we move from hopeless to hopeful, from dead to alive, if we understand the victory that comes by way of Jesus Christ. Paul concludes, there's an action step here. If we have victory because of Jesus, if He's defeated death and sin in the grave, therefore, verse 58, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. He's trying to encourage Christians, and He encourages them with the resurrection. He says this, hey guys, If Jesus Christ did that, if He brought you from death to life, from hopeless to hopeful, from a destination of an eternal hell separated from God, an eternal destination of heaven with God, then you can live victorious. Don't live looking for victory. Live in light of the victory. Be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. What an incredible truth. So we come to the resurrection of Jesus Christ, when we celebrate on Resurrection Sunday, some will celebrate on Saturday, others will celebrate on Sunday, we are celebrating a life of victory. What an incredible truth. This is why so much celebration happens on Easter Sunday. Because a God who loved us enough to send His Son to die in our place on the cross Jesus Christ, who took our sin with Him to the grave, rose again victorious. Now the Bible is very clear that when Jesus did that, He did that to pay the price for the sin of everyone. Again, past, future, present in that day. But that one must put their faith in Him to receive that gift of the forgiveness of sins and salvation. 
there are people who will often say, well, I believe in God, I just don't believe in Jesus. Or I believe in Jesus, but I don't believe that the resurrection was that important. Or I believe everything you've said, I just don't put my faith in Jesus for the forgiveness of my sins. I'll try to be good enough and work hard enough and try enough. And although we should be good and we should work hard and we should try, (laughs) good works are important. They're taught throughout Scripture, both Old and New Testament. The Bible helps us to understand that whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Romans chapter 10 puts it this way, with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. What does all of that mean? It means that it's one thing to believe that Jesus did the things that we just talked about. It's another thing to put your faith, your confidence, your hope, your eternal destiny in what Jesus Christ did on the cross. You see, coming to a place of salvation, the forgiveness of sins, is recognizing, first of all, that you are a sinner, something most of us don't have to be convinced about. It's recognizing in that there's nothing you could do. There are no number of good deeds you could do that would win your favor with God. You just can't get to the place of perfection, which is required. It's understanding that. The wages of sin is death, that is separation from God. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. It's understanding that although I am a sinner, that I can do nothing to earn my way into the presence of God, that God loved me enough to provide Jesus, as we just talked about, to die in my place on the cross. And that I will put my entire hope, my confidence, my faith in Him. I'll take Him at His word. I believe that He has done what He said He will do. One of the great proofs, one of the great confidences that I can have is His resurrection. And putting my faith in Him, I will experience the forgiveness of sin. With the heart man believes, with the mouth confession is made. This is turning to God. The Bible speaks of repentance. What is repentance? It's simply turning away to repent. You're going one direction, you decide to go a different direction. It's repenting. What is that turning away? It's turning away from your sin, from your selfish lifestyle, from your idea that you can do it yourself, and turning to, repenting toward, turning to Jesus Christ and what He did for you on the cross. And saying, my faith is in you. Forgive me for my sins. And I'm thankful that the Bible tells us that whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. We're so grateful that God loved us enough to do what only He could do to restore a relationship with us, to reconcile us back to Himself, to redeem a broken, lost, dead life and make it new. That's why we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. There are those who on the other side of something like this will argue that Jesus did not really resurrect. We're told that more than 500 people saw Him resurrected. (laughs) But the New Testament was written at the time of those who had seen Him resurrected. There were many people who were present before His death, while He was being crucified, 
after he rose again, who could have checked what was being said about the resurrection, about him. The Bible calls these many infallible proofs. We know that those who followed Jesus and saw him resurrected, as I mentioned earlier, believed so much in the resurrection themselves that they were willing to lose their lives to proclaim this gospel, this good news message. There are many other proofs. But dismissing the resurrection of Jesus Christ is a dismissal in spite of the evidence to prove otherwise. So we celebrate on Resurrection Sunday what Jesus Christ has done. We celebrate who He is. But if you have never accepted the gift of salvation that was purchased when He died and rose again, that's the starting point. That's where it begins. On this Resurrection Sunday, this Resurrection Weekend, when we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ, won't you accept the gift that was purchased on your behalf? I know this is a different uh, episode than we typically do, but when we talk about having the information and perspectives we need to navigate an ever-changing culture, uh, let me just say this. Culture will always change. We'll always be trying to navigate a different issue, figure out a different thing. And the place we need to be standing is on that foundation of faith. Living in that relationship with God through Christ. Without the crucifixion and without the resurrection, we'd all simply be doing the very best that we can to get by with very little hope for a future and no hope for an eternity. I'm so thankful for the resurrection of Jesus Christ. and I hope that you are too. And I hope that you're celebrating in a big way that God so loved you that He sent His Son Jesus to die, to take your sin upon Himself, to be placed in a tomb, but victoriously to rise again three days later. Appreciate you listening today. Thank you for joining me. As always, please make sure that you are subscribed to this podcast on your favorite podcast platform. You need to be subscribed there. Also, go and check out the video on Salem Now. SalemNow.com is a good place to check that out. And uh, we'd love to connect with you there. Thank you, and we will talk to you next time. We were not made to live in isolation. Sadly, many of our veterans feel they need to fight their battles alone. This self-isolation has led to the staggering statistic of more than 20 veterans taking their lives every day. A lot of guys end up drinking, a lot of guys end up losing hope. Someone will go to the VA and they'll try to get, you know, prescription medications to help with PTSD. You know, they'll get pills for anxiety, they'll get pills because they can't sleep, now they'll get pills for depression before they know it. they're taking 12 different medications. And when it's not working out, these guys lose hope, and that's why there's 23 guys a day committing suicide. The mission of Mighty Oaks is to eradicate the veteran suicide epidemic and help our warriors change their legacies. As a result, we've been able to help over 4,000 veterans and first responders by equipping them with the tools they need to live the lives they were created to live. 
Everything they said just kept hitting me in the heart over and over and over again. It's like all the things that I didn't know that I needed to hear. And uh, I opened my heart to God that week, dude, and like, <laughs> I've been a different person ever since. Our faith-based, peer-to-peer approach has one of the highest success rates of any program available today, offering hope and understanding to those who need it most. We provide our programs and resources, including travel, at no cost to our warriors. I remember talking to a licensed uh, social worker who actually handed me a pamphlet to Mighty Oaks. So I went, and I'm glad I did. By aligning their lives to biblical principles, these men and women are able to lead their families, their communities, and our nation. Our mission is to serve and restore our nation's warriors and families who have endured hardship through their service to America and to help them find new life purpose through hope in Christ. It's your generosity that can make a difference in the lives of the men and women who have fought for our country and our freedoms. Now that they're home, don't let them fight alone. Learn more at MightyOaksPrograms.org. Mike Lindell has a passion to help everyone get the best sleep of their lives. He created the Giza Dream bed sheets. They look and feel great, which means an even better night's sleep for you and me. Mike found the world's best cotton called Giza. Mike's latest incredible deal is the sale of the year. Sale of the year. That means it's not going to happen again. This is the sale of the year. What is it? For a limited time, you will receive 60% off the Giza Dream Sheets that comes with a 60-day money-back guarantee and a 10-year warranty. You will receive a set for as low as $39.99. For a limited time, with any purchase, you will receive Mike's soft cover book free when you use promo code SITREP. Go to MyPillow.com and click on the radio listener square and use promo code SITREP. Along with this offer, you will also get deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the MyPillow mattress topper, MyPillow towel sets, and so much more. For those of you that would rather use the phone, and some of you are out there, you know who you are, call 1-800-870-0283, use the promo code SITREP, or MyPillow.com and use the promo code SITREP. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.